It has stood the test of time. God's book, the Bible, still relevant in today's complex world. It is written, sharing messages of hope around the world. Any serious inquiry demands questions, questions to be asked, to find answers, to get to the very core, the very heart. But if we simply ask questions for the sake of asking questions without ever expecting or really wanting an answer, well, that's what we'll have. We'll have no answers. In this series, Beyond Questions, we've gone beyond just the questions to seek for answers. I've had the great privilege in this series to be with John Bradshaw, speaker director of It Is Written International. John, I'm so glad that you're here with me again today. Chris, thanks very much. This has been fun. I'm glad you've had me back again. Thanks. And you know, John, we both serve in ministries that are, that are, are called It Is Written, and they are intricately tied together in history with the roots. George Vanderman, Henry Fire Robin, both men of great vision, great desire to spread the gospel, understanding a need in Canada for an It Is Written program. And so It Is Written Canada is organized as its own ministry to meet the needs of Canadians. It Is Written International headquartered in Chattanooga, Tennessee to meet the needs of the U.S. and the world beyond. And so I'm so glad that we were able to spend this time talking about the Bible. Yeah, we couldn't be talking about anything better than the Bible. You know, we've been asking questions. We've been going beyond questions, finding answers. Sure. And you'll be, we began this journey with your own personal journey, a journey where you were seeking answers. You, you, you were confused by the things you were hearing in the spiritual realm, and you desired answers to questions. And it took you on this journey probing this book, the Bible. Sure. And we have explored from week to week studying about the Bible. We've been looking at prophecies which have demonstrated the authenticity of the Bible. We have looked at prophecies that with precision identify Jesus as the Messiah. And we've looked at Bible teachings which show us Okay, what do we do with that information? What does it really mean to be a follower of Jesus? What does it mean to repent and have true freedom and forgiveness? And we've been seeking these answers and finding them in the Bible. But today we want to ask kind of a mysterious question. Okay, so we're a follower of Jesus. We've been forgiven by Jesus. We've repented we're living a new life in Him, having a special relationship of communication, dialogue with Him. So the question is, what next? Mm. What next? And in order to answer what next, we actually have to go back to the first show that you and I spent together. We were there in Daniel chapter 2. Daniel chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, has a dream, forgets his dream. No one can interpret it. Then Daniel and his three friends pray. God gives them the answer. They share with the king the answer. And the answer is in this grand image, 
an image with a head of gold, a chest and arms of silver, a midsection of bronze or brass, legs of iron, and feet of iron mixed with clay. And sometimes we stop there. And you know, often our, our, our artists will depict this grand image, but they leave out a critical piece which answers that question, what next? Mm, that's right. The what next is, is, is the big one, really. And so, John, what is it that's next? What comes after this image? This image representing the entire history of humanity. Okay, so what's next? In that dream, Nebuchadnezzar saw a stone cut out without hands, meaning not of man's origination or devising, which, which struck the image on its feet, broke it to pieces. The pieces were all blown away. And that stone, that rock, grew up and became a mountain that filled the earth. Daniel 2.44 says, In the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the people shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. The second coming of Jesus is going to take place where the kingdoms of the earth are swept aside and God's eternal kingdom is set up. It will last forever. It won't pass away. And God wants all of us to be part of that experience, being ready for the second coming of Jesus and being part of his kingdom, which lasts forever. And it's, it, it's a phenomenal transition there because you have endings and everything else. The gold ends, silver starts. The silver ends, the brass or the bronze starts. The brass or the bronze ends, the iron starts. The iron ends, and then the iron mixed with clay starts. And then the iron with, mixed with clay ends in a destruction turned into dust. But then the stone cut without hands, hurled through the air, grows into this kingdom, and it says it lasts forever. And, you know, for years as I've taught in various churches, I, I, will, I will ask the question, how long is forever? That's a long time. That's a long time. Forever means without ending. And so it's an amazing thing. God makes this comparison and contrast. The kingdoms of this earth rise and fall. The kingdoms, the politicians rise and fall. But God's kingdom will never, ever fall. It will last forever. Right. And the amazing thing is what you were bringing us to. The desire of Jesus' heart is that we would be there with him. And that is phenomenal. You know, the Apostle Paul, writing to Timothy, his assistant, had come to the end of his life, really, and he was writing out some final instructions in, in the book of 2 Timothy. And he shares and he makes this connection. You know, because, John, this is not the first time that our audience will hear about the second coming. But so often the second coming is consumed with answering the questions of how Jesus is going to return sure. and when Jesus is going to return. But we want to connect it with the practical everyday life. So Paul reaches the end of his life. He's reaching the end of his life. This is just before he's executed by the Romans. And in 2 Timothy chapter 4, beginning in verse 6, he kind of gives these instructions and connects the practical everyday Christian living to the second coming of Christ. Maybe you can share with us what Paul says there. He says, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, 
but unto all them also that love his appearing. Paul talks about he's fought the good fight. Mm. He's finished the race. It's kind of an interesting, and, and we have many places in the Bible, and we could talk a long time about this, where it talks about the Christian journey. We were talking about this before. The Christian journey is a walk yep. of an ever-deepening relationship with Jesus where we, we become more and more like him. And I can imagine as Paul is writing this, he's sitting in his, in his either in his cell or in his house arrest situation at the time, and he's reflecting on his life. And he talks about, I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. But then he transitions. He transitions to the eternal. But there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. What does that mean, John, that, that he has a crown of righteousness laid up? What Paul is portraying here is that th there's hope beyond this world. This, this isn't it. Um, we, we don't just live and die and nothing happens. We don't just toil and labor or love and laugh or whatever it might be, and, and life is the end. Paul's looking forward. He knows that he's going to close his eyes when he dies, and the next thing he knows, Jesus will be back, and life goes on. I mean, isn't that just an amazing thing? That is an amazing thing. Life ends far too short for anybody. I spoke to a lady... Uh, just recently, she turned 100 years old. Wow. I said, did it take long to get to 100? And she said, no, didn't take long at all. I spoke to a man the other day who was 100 years old. He said, I still feel like I'm in my 20s. You know, he's, he's a young fellow in his mind. His birth certificate is telling him that he's, that he's wrong about that. Life passes by far too short. For some, life is, is, is cut off at a young age. I mean... You know, you and me, we're just getting going. But if we look at our birth certificates and look at the law of averages, we don't have that long left. And I don't like actually putting it that way. God says there is more. Life stretches on beyond this life. Look, if we just lived and died and that was all, really, I think it would just be futile. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But stretching before us is eternity. Jesus will come back. He will usher that eternity. And we get to live again and we get to live forever. And, and Paul is a living demonstration of that because his life is about to cut, be cut short. He's not going to live into those rocking chair days where right. he's an old man. And, and while he was a little bit older, he was, certainly had many more years to live, hoping, you know, Paul was writing, and we don't know if he ever actually made it, but hoping to go beyond the Roman Empire to go over into Spain and take the gospel that far. And now his life is going to get cut short and he's comforted by the second coming of Jesus that day. And then he says, though, that that comforts not just for him, but to all them also that love is appearing. And so loving his appearing, how do I love the appearing of Jesus? What does that mean, John? I think if you get to know God, you'll get to love God. And I know love means different things to different people. And some people are expressive and gushy and others are more cerebral and stoic about it. But if, you, if, you, if your heart is connected with the heart of God and you know that Jesus is going to return to this earth, you get to see him and see his face. I don't know, hug him, hold his hand, kiss his feet, however that's all going to actually play out in eternity. You can't wait to see Jesus. I love the thought of Jesus coming back. You know, I love this world, but I'll be happy to see it pass away in favor of the world to come. The return of Jesus is, well, Paul in another place described it as the blessed hope. Uh, Jesus is coming back. We're looking forward beyond this earth to a bright tomorrow where there's no sin, there's no sickness, there's no sadness, there's no sorrow. 
None of that. No one will die. You won't ever need to see a doctor or, 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 or take medicine or use a walker or a hearing aid or, a, or reading glasses or anything. I mean, and this is a world where there isn't frustration, but there's fulfillment. You get, you, you'll have eternity to do, I mean, everything you really wanted to. And I don't want to make it just self-centered, even though, even though that's okay to talk about what's in it for me. Yeah. Uh, but God is honored by those, uh, in those who are saved. The devil said long ago that human beings can't do that and God is unreasonable and God is unfair. He told Eve God was unfair. He doesn't want you to eat the fruit because he's holding something back. That's right. But we are saved. We enter into God's eternal kingdom and God says to the universe, see, here are people who love me, connected themselves with me uh, and showed that my way was, was right. And you know, Paul, Paul, the theme of the second coming is actually a common theme in the writings of Paul. Oh, sure is. And so Paul instructs about the happenings. What happens at the second coming? Because you said it is a very personal event. We can be excited. In fact, you quoted Titus 2.13, looking for, and it calls it the blessed, the blessed hope. hope. Yeah. But Paul instructs and gives instructions in, in the, uh, in the, in, to the church in Thessalonica, to the Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and he talks about what is going to happen when Jesus comes again. And that's a powerful, powerful testimony. He speaks of when Jesus is going to come again in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 13. And he says, I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep. Paul's talking about those who have died. Hey, I don't, I don't, want, you to, I don't want you to be ignorant about this. Lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. So he wants us to have hope here. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. So Jesus is coming again to bring those who have died home. Yep. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain. Okay, so, so Jesus isn't just coming for those who have died, but we are encouraged. He's coming for those who are alive as well. Until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Isn't that something? And he goes on and adds a PS, wherefore comfort one another with these words. There are many grieving. You know, Jesus is coming back and your loved one will be raised from the dead. You'll be with that person forever. What an incredible thing. Jesus is coming back. The dead in Christ rise. Gravity loses power over the soles of our feet. We go up. Unlike Mrs. Lot, I don't think we'll be looking back. It'll be no. sayonara earth. We are on our way and we'll be with God forever. This is a hope, the blessed hope. Not just a, oh, I hope so hope, but this is a, it's a certain, it's a certain hope. You know, not a, not a, I wonder if, but oh yeah, I'm trusting in. Jesus is coming back to this earth. And that is so exciting, John, because, you know, and, and listen, I, I don't want to, I, I don't want to uh, overplay this because, you know, are there certainly good things on this earth? Oh, sure. There's certainly, you know, you know, uh, spent time with my family. I enjoy spending time with my brothers and my sister and, and my mom and my dad. And I enjoy spending time with them. There are good things on this earth, but God is trying to get a hold of us by saying, if you think that's good, 
you've not seen anything yet. The best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. And you know, that is really speaks to the mercy of God that even though this world is the only world in all the universe that chose to disobey God and sin, even though this world is cursed with, with, with epidemics of sin, and all you have to do is, is read on the internet or go to the newspaper and you see these awful tragedies that happen, gunmen killing people in Paris, uh, uh, terrorists killing people in the Middle East and around the world airplanes crashing and losing loved ones. There are awful things that happen here. Oh yeah. And God reaches out and says, there's hope. This isn't going to last forever. There's hope. And in his mercy though, even with all this terrible stuff, he still gives us a taste of heaven by giving us some of the good things right now. Yes, he does. He says, it's all going to be okay one day. Jesus is going to come back and the sad things of the earth will be gone. The very, the very best things that you could have ever wished for. Uh, they're going to be yours throughout all eternity. No more death. It's, it's, hard, it's hard to imagine, really, isn't it? You know, and here is an amazing thing. Uh, when I was pastoring a church, I was visiting with a man in the hospital, and I've talked about this man before on the show. His name was Walt Mankowski. And it, it, tragic story. He learned that he had cancer. 30 days later, he was dead. Mm. While I was visiting him in the hospital, I'll never forget, he was from New York, and he... He, he was there in his bed and, and you know, as pastors, sometimes people think as pastors, we know everything to say. Uh, those are the moments where you don't know what to say because there really is nothing to say. And sure. so I just sat there with, with Walt and, 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 and he looked up at me and he said, Pastor, it's gonna be okay. And even if it's not okay, it's gonna be okay. Because Walt had that hope that, you know what, even if the cancer took his life, he knew Jesus was coming yeah. and this would only be a temporary situation, but soon he would go home to be with Jesus forever and live eternity with him. No more death, no more dying, no more pain. Yeah. You know, when we talk about this in, in first Corinthians and Paul, again, Paul, the theme of the second coming of Jesus was a strong theme for Paul. First Corinthians 15 tells us and gives us the encouragement that, you know, you and I have both in our, in our life have struggled with a couple of different illnesses and, uh, and there is encouragement in the book of first Corinthians that when Jesus comes, he's not just coming to take us so we can continue on living like we live now, but something's going to happen when Jesus comes. First Corinthians 15 tells us he's going to change us. Yes. John, what, what does it say there in first Corinthians 15, maybe verse 51 uh, in the last moments that we have about what Jesus is going to actually do when he comes again? Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. God changes us. So my knee, which I've had reconstructed, I've had four knee surgeries because of a football injury. I'll have a new knee that will work knee. Hallelujah. You know? The lame uh, man will leap as in heart. Yes. The Bible says. Yes. And that is so encouraging. And, and you know, and, I, and I've, I've suffered from an autoimmune disease no more, no more. Well, and, and what an irony about that. Your immunity, which is supposed to fight off disease, actually attacks fighting yourself. You. you know, it's a real example of what sin does in our life. Yeah. It attacks us. And so Jesus is going to come again. He's going to change us. But again, we don't want to make it selfish and all about us. 
those verses bring to a close where it says in verse 54, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? And this is honor for God. God triumphs. He started with a perfect earth, sin entered, a mess was created. But God says, if you look towards me, I'll get you out of here. And what I've said in the beginning, what I've promised you will all be uh, fulfilled. Satan's lies will be showed to be lies. Hang in there with me. And when Jesus comes back, the universe gets to finally and forever say, God was right. God was good. God was trustworthy. We hang on to God by faith. There's a great day coming where we'll be blessed and God will be honored ultimately. And that is truly amazing. You know, we began our journey together asking the question, what is the meaning of life? We find meaning in finding our purpose from God's Word. And the ultimate purpose that God has for each one of us is to live with Him forever. Forever. What's next? To live with Him forever. John, let's pray together as we conclude this show and conclude this series that each of us would be ready for what's next. And John, I would be honored if you closed out this series in prayer. Thank you. Father in heaven, what a tragedy it would be if even one of us were not ready to meet Jesus when he comes back. You've done everything. You've shown us you love us. You've given us your word to follow like a, like a roadmap. You've demonstrated Jesus is the Messiah. Your word is, is solid and certain. You've shown us how to live a new life. We can have it all. We can have it all. And so we choose Jesus, live your life in us. And Lord, if there's even one who now listening to this prayer is hesitating or scoffing or wondering or pausing, urge that person into the arms of Jesus. We pray and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. for some time with pain, first in her heel, then in her hip, then in her knee. And she wasn't sure exactly what to do, but the answer came one day in an unlikely form. She knew all about the health benefits of eating more plant-based foods, but found it difficult sometimes with her schedule and her young daughter's food preferences. Help came though, in the form of her daughter's one week away at summer camp. Having the week all to herself for the first time since her daughter was born, Angie took the opportunity to cleanse her body by drinking only smoothies all week. Dark leafy greens, a green powder, and fruit comprised the bulk of her smoothies. She also drank lots of water. She continued thereafter by adding nice big salads in her everyday eating. Do you think there was any change in her health? You know it, absolutely there was. She soon noticed that she was able to walk up and down stairs without much pain. Excited by this discovery, Angie is feeling encouraged to keep eating more plant-based foods and continue with her smoothies to help gain control of her weight. 
Remember, when you're making a salad, make it robust. Fill it up with good, yummy ingredients like different greens, tomatoes, red or yellow peppers, cucumbers, celery, bean sprouts. The list is endless. And a really yummy way to spice up your salads is with seasoned seeds. They're so easy to make. Now this recipe is really for those of you who have a dehydrator at home. The health benefit of using a dehydrator is that because you are simply drawing out the water, slightly warming and not cooking the food, you are still left with all the nutrition intact as well as all the food's natural enzymes. I know that most people don't have a dehydrator though, so using an oven at the very lowest setting can also work, but the health benefits won't quite be the same. Here's my recipe for seasoned seeds. Taking two cups of pumpkin or sunflower seeds, soaking them for four to seven hours, kind of like overnight, draining them and then rinsing them. And then about a quarter cup of tamari. Tamari is a thicker, less salty fermented soy sauce that contains less or no wheat. And also using about half a tablespoon of onion powder, a quarter teaspoon of garlic powder, a quarter teaspoon of smoked paprika or just regular paprika, and a quarter teaspoon of cayenne to just kick it up a notch. So what we're gonna do here Got our pumpkin seeds and gentlemen, these are really good for you. Good for your prostate. And then we're gonna add the tamari. Then we're just gonna throw in all the other spices. And then we're gonna mix it. And then I'll show you that final product. Okay, so we're mixing this all up just to coat it really nicely. And then you're gonna spread it onto your, either your dehydrator sheet or your baking sheet. And if it's in the dehydrator, you're going to just let it dry out. So that's gonna be, ooh, could be overnight, upwards of 18 to 24 hours, depending on your dehydrator. You want them to be nice and dry and crisp. And if you're putting it in the oven, you wanna set it at the lowest uh, setting in the oven and just leave it until the seeds are dry and really crisp. It needs to be very dry. Now stored in a sealed glass container in the refrigerator, the seasoned seeds will keep for six months. And this is what they're going to look like. Nice and yummy and crispy and they got the nice coloring on there. They really are delicious. Just sprinkle those on your salad and uh, add your whatever salad dressing you're gonna use and you're good to go. Try these, they're easy, they're good for you and so yummy. I'll see you next time. Friend Beyond the Questions, you can find answers. I'd like to give you the DVD set of John and I wrestling with the major questions of life. Here's the information you need to receive today's offer. To request today's offer, just log on to www.itiswrittencanada.ca. That's www.itiswrittencanada.ca and select the TV program tab. For Canadian viewers, the offer will be sent free and postage paid. For viewers outside of Canada, shipping charges will apply. If you prefer, you may call toll-free at 1-888-CALL-IIW. That's 1-888-CALL-IIW. Call anytime. Lines are open 24 hours daily. That's 1-888-CALL-IIW. Or if you wish, you may write to us at It Is Written, Box 2010, Oshawa, Ontario, L1H 7V4. 
That's It Is Written, Box 2010, Oshawa, Ontario, L1H7V4. John, we have had a tremendous time studying the Bible, looking at God's Word, answering the great questions of life. I've been really blessed. We've covered some important ground. Uh, it's been a tremendous experience for me. Thanks for having me. You know, John, I appreciate so much your willingness to take time out of your busy schedule to spend time with us here in Canada. Thank you so much. It's been a real joy. Thank you. I want to thank you, the viewer, for tuning in to these broadcasts. You know, God has answers to our questions. The greatest question of life is, what should I do? When should I follow Jesus? The answer, friend, is now. Please join me again next week. Until then, remember, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God.